Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're going to tell an extraordinary story on the program today. In some places, including Nepal, if a parent is sentenced to prison and they lack a guardian for their child, the child is imprisoned with the parent. So in some areas, uh, children, until they're 18 years old, know nothing but this world behind bars. We're going to uh, hear this story from an extraordinary woman who's making a difference there and a, a filmmaker who's uh, filmed this story. First of all, a follow-up from yesterday's program. Uh, a large body of social science research has found that a number of correlations exist between a religious belief and practice and a range of aspects of marriage and family, positive aspects, marital happiness, stability, parent-child cohesion, positive youth outcomes. What is much less known is the processes at work in this area. In other words, the reasons, the why. Well, there's a large project ongoing, a research project, American Families of Faith Project, is trying to investigate these uh, positive outcomes and, and why these happen. And yesterday we talked with the uh, two lead researchers here, David Dalahite from Brigham Young University and Lauren Marks from uh, Louisiana State University. And uh, we received uh, this email. I wanted to get this on. This is Chad in Logan. He says, I see a couple of potential flaws in the study. One is that if I caught it right, people are referred for the study by religious leaders, so it's not a random sample. Another thing is that people aren't always truthful in how they answer uh, surveys. By the way, this uh, large study uh, surveyed uh, ongoing surveys of some 200 people, 150 or 200 families, 500 individuals, Christian, Muslim, uh, Jewish to return to Chad's email. Another thing is the people aren't always truthful, he says, how they answer uh, surveys. They tend to say what researchers want to hear. For example, in one study, people uh, were surveyed about their diet and reported eating a healthy diet, but when researchers looked through their trash cans, they found a lot of junk food wrappers and not a lot of evidence of healthy food. How do we know people are being honest in this study without actually observing them? So, Chad, uh, sorry we didn't get to that yesterday, but we will pass your comments on to uh, Professors uh, Dalahite and Marks and get their response, if they wish, on a future program. And we had this email as well from Kylie in Moab. She says, how about doing a story about the tar sands in Grand County and the Book Cliffs Highway? Seems like the state is thinking the Grand County is the new sacrifice zone for energy development. Thanks for that, Kylie. We'll look into that to possibly do a story on that. Now to the extraordinary story for today. Imagine that at five years old, you're sentenced to prison until you're 18. You have no access to your family or friends, to an education, to the outside world, or to society. In some places, if a parent is sentenced to prison and they lack a guardian for their child, the child is imprisoned with the parent, such is the case in Nepal. Many of these children go to prison at a young age and are released to the world at age 18 with no life skills or support systems, knowing nothing of the world but what they experienced in a jail cell. During a prison tour as part of her university studies, Pushpa Basnet encountered a young girl who touched her heart, and she promised the girl's mother that she would be back to get her. Seven years later, Pushpa, known as Mamu to the children, runs an organization that gives kids the chance to be kids during the day and have an education. She's fighting for the rights of these uh, children, these uh, families. Uh, Pushpa Buznet is uh, was 2012 CNN Hero of the Year. She's a social worker and founder and president of Early Childhood Development Center, also Butterfly Home, nonprofit organizations in Kathmandu, Nepal. She and her organization work to strengthen the rights of children living behind bars with their incarcerated parents. And she joins us on the line, uh, Pushpa Buznet. Uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much. Am I uh, pronouncing your name correctly? Yes, yes. And uh, Pushpa Vaznet, along with our other guest, Thomas Morgan, filmmaker, uh, will be in uh, Cedar City 
for the uh, Southern Utah University Women and Gender uh, Women's Conference, sponsored by the Women and Gender Studies Program at SUU. That's happening in Cedar City on Thursday and uh, Friday. Uh, Thomas Morgan is our other guest for the hour. He's an award-winning filmmaker based in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, he uh, has treated several subjects, including homelessness. His film, These Storied Streets, uh, garnered some attention to speak for Congress as well as Democratic National Convention. He's given a TED Talk as well as some other things. And his film, Waiting for Mamu, details this extraordinary story of Pushpa Bosnet. Uh, Thomas Morgan, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. I want to start with you, uh, Mr. Morgan. Um, I was watching your TED Talk, which you can find at TEDx Traverse City. You talked about your your uh, attention to the uh, issue of homelessness, but but your I guess the the real message you had was uh, people making a difference and the and the opportunity we all have to make a difference. You told the story uh, about I guess at a banquet where you met Pushpa Bosnet. Uh, what if you tell us that? Yeah, I was. Uh, we volunteered at an organization called the International House in Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, we host guests that come from all over the world. Sometimes they stay at our house for a couple of weeks, or sometimes they're just dinner guests. But we had a, attended a dinner at the end of uh, the end of the week that we had house guests, and and there were people there that were studying um, law, government, uh, in in this case philanthropy as well, and so. Um, my wife had our small child who was at the time a year old and and he was over kind of playing with Pushpa and my wife Jenny approached and talked to Pushpa for a minute and she said she came back to me and she said, You have to hear this story. And so I went over and started speaking to Pushpa and in, in conversation I, I really thought that I was misunderstanding what she was saying because she was saying that, you know, she was taking the children out of prison. And I said, well, surely the children aren't in prison. And she's like, yes, yes, the children are in prison. And I looked at my one-year-old and I said, that this size? And she said, yes. And uh, I said, I, I, have to, I have to do this story. I have to tell this story. And so um, I think at first when I said, you know, could I do a documentary on you? I think, you know, she's had a lot of people who have approached and a lot of people who have wanted to do stories and, I'm not sure that she believed me at the time, but uh, a few months later, I found myself in the middle of Kathmandu, just witnessing this unbelievable story and, and, and the compassion of this woman that uh, that I, quite frankly, never seen before. So um, it was, it's you know, at the time she was one of 45,000 CNN Hero nominees when we started telling her story, and the journey from that point to her winning the 2012 CNN Hero of the Year was quite remarkable. Before I turn to Pushpa, uh, I think it would be useful to perhaps see Nepal and Kathmandu through your eyes, Thomas Morgan. What, uh, when I, I don't know if you've ever been to Nepal before you went to do this documentary. No, I uh, had never been there. And, you know, what you see typically is when you, when you hear of the country is, you know, you see Mount Everest. Um, and there's some beautiful parts and places, uh, but it's uh, it's a poor country. Uh, they, you know, a lot of the people are um, are somewhat desperate, and a lot of the women who commit these crimes, and a lot of the men who commit these crimes in Nepal, that Pushpa deals with on a more regular base, basis, um, are desperate. They don't have the social services. They don't have the organizations that we are afforded in the United States. And so when you see that, and you see the way that people live, but but honestly, I've never seen people with so little be so happy 
Mm-hmm. Um, I come home and, you know, you talk to your own kids and you start asking questions and they're upset because the iPad doesn't charge fast enough or that, you know, they got caught in the rain while they were waiting for the ride. And, you know, you go there and people are um, just happy to have a have a meal on their table and, and be able to go to school or be able to work or whatever the situation is. So mm-hmm. um, it was it was quite a quite a um, kind of reality check. Pushpa Busnet, um, uh, I was I was shocked. I think most people would be shocked to learn this about the children staying with their parents in in prison. But I suppose if if there aren't social services available, that's the only place they could go. Uh, yes, but I think in our country, like you know, it's really rare to find a social service center, you know, because. Because due to our government also, you know, so it's it's not possible to find lots of social service, like, you know, if it's like an NGO, non-profit organi- organization, those kind of things. But it's really difficult to find a social service or any legal ex- expert for the parents also. Hmm. I want to learn a little bit about you, uh, Pushpa Basnet. Uh, you, and, and this all started when you were 21 years old, I believe. Right, you're, yeah, I, I, I was twenty. I was, <laughs> I was, I was going to twenty, twenty-one. Yeah, I started when I was twenty-one. Uh, so you're, uh, you're going to university. I understand this is a fairly prestigious university, and you decide to to study social work. Uh, why did you choose social work? Actually, I started, uh, actually I started a uh, social work, you know, because I was really weak in math, so I never wanted to study math, you know. So that was the another option, you know. You just had to go college for three days and two days for a different organization to do an internship. So I thought this is the best thing that you know I could go and study because I did not have to study the math, as well as because. Like, I never thought that I would get into, like, you know, social service. I just thought that I'll finish my degree, I'll have a degree certificate, then I'll surely land up into my parents' business. But after getting into social work, you know, you seeing the reality, that thing doesn't happen. So that's how, like, you know, in the second year when I was in studying, I got a chance to visit the police. Like, I was placed in police station, and I got a chance to visit the jail inside. So we, I saw the small Sandal country, so that's how all started. The organization and the life changed my also and the children also. Yeah, uh, and that sounds, you know, I was <laughs> I was amused to see that reason that you chose social work because that's how a lot of people, uh, you know, myself and friends in America would choose their their studies as well based on I can't do math or whatever but uh, you couldn't have known at that time this would this would change your life let's hear a portion from Thomas Morgan's uh, film this is your first visit to the to the prison you tell the story of how this all started this is from Thomas Morgan's documentary film Waiting for Mamu at that time I was placed in Kalimati police station it was a woman cell so what I asked one of the officers, please, can you just take me inside the prison? Because in our mind, when you talk about jail, it's like a big walls with the bars and everything. So I wanted to see. So when we went to the prison, I was a bit nervous and I was a bit scared. And one small child, she was just down in the floor you know and I just grabbed her you know in our country like the culture it's not a big thing to just go and hold anyone child just you know charge them it's nothing here but one of the people from the prison they said that don't hold her and I just dropped her down you know because I was scared and but when I turned back my body she just hold my 
clothes, you know. So just I turned back and she just gave me a big smile. She was just eight month old girl and I feel like she had that light in her face. She had that magic, you know. So what I thought is like, I should do something. I should do something for these children. And that's how things started to change. So you heard the voice there of Pushpa Bosnet. We're talking with her as well as with Thomas Morgan. Pushpa Bosnet went on to found the Early Childhood Development Center. We're talking about this extraordinary story. Went on to be named 2012 CNN Hero of the Year for her work with uh, the children of incarcerated parents in Nepal and uh, I'm, I'm guessing some other areas uh, don't have the infrastructure. And so if, uh, if a parent who's incarcerated can't find a guardian, then the, the child goes into prison with the parent. That, of course, uh, has cascading problems. Uh, you're welcome to join the conversation, by the way, at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. You can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page, or you can join us by email to upraxis at gmail.com. Thomas Morgan and Pushma Basnet are keynote speakers uh, at the Southern Utah University Women and Gender or Women a Women's Conference. It's sponsored by the Women and Gender Studies Program. Uh, it's called Leadership and Empowerment Across Generations. The conference is that's happening on Thursday and Friday on the SUU campus in uh, Cedar City. Before we go to break, uh, Pushpa, uh, th- that's an extraordinary moment. You uh, and this changed your life and the lives of these children. What was it about that this little this little girl, eight eight months old? Mm, I think yeah, like. Sure, like it has changed my life and it has changed the life. But the most important thing that when I saw her, that I could feel myself that you know there are some my parents that who's giving everything for me and everything, and but still I do complain. Still now also I do complain. But like you know there are some children you know, just because of their parents, you know they are inside the prison with nothing and they don't have a place to complain. And I thought that I should do something you know for these children because. In terms of my, I have so much thing, so I need to give. So that's the reason I started this organization. Now, you apparently, you promised this girl's mother that you would be back for her. No, but with her mother, I could not promise, you know, because she had killed her husband and she was mentally disturbed. But I could promise myself within my heart that I would come back ah, for okay. her. Yeah. You know, I would come back and do something for her, but I never realized what I would do it. Right. We'll get into that story. Thomas Morgan this extraordinary uh, push by Bosnet in the, in that uh, piece in the film. She's, she said to herself, I've got to do something, but you know, a lot of us don't do something. <laughs> I want you, you probably reflected on this, uh, something about Pushpa. She, she did something. Well, well, you know, I think, I think what happens is we all get caught up and then if you watch that TED talk, I, I, I reflected a lot on this. We all get caught up in ourselves and kind of our day to day and the things that are, you know, most affect us. And we rarely have that opportunity in which we look outside of ourselves and say, "What what can I do to help somebody else?" Um, we're not all capable of being pushba. There's not very many pushbas in the world. Maybe maybe more than I know, but um, it's extraordinary to give up everything to really. Um, in, in many ways, sacrifice um, so much uh, to to help someone else. Mm. But you know what? You realize in, in, in speaking to Pushba is how much she's also gotten, how much she's received from 
from having these kids at really these extraordinary time in their lives where they're where they're children where they're you know wanting just to be kids um, and play and, and, and educate them and, and all of that and so I think it's you know it, it we all have this capacity uh, in, in one way or another and and just to go out and it doesn't have to you don't have to be pushed but you can do something you can go out today and do something um, to lighten someone else's load, to make their day a little bit easier, to do something. And so uh, I think so often we get caught up in the idea of committing to, you know, three times a week or one time a week or whatever that schedule is. But in actuality, uh, it's much simpler than that. You can walk outside your door right now and, and do something to make it easier. And, you know, you have no idea what the what the effect of that is or what the ripple effect of, of your actions today are. Push push just taking this to the extreme in which, you know, She's a great example, and she's a great example for for um, young women who, um, who you know, in, in Nepal, it's it's not the same as, as in the U.S. There's not as many necessarily opportunities, and it definitely doesn't feel equal. And so, to be a strong woman and a great example to the girls of Nepal is also, I think, extraordinary. And and um, I, I just took away so much and, and brought so much back to my own family from uh, from my experience with Pushpa, and we still stay in very close contact and. And uh, you know, I feel like I've gained a, a family member. I have a I have a new sister, and uh, we'll never, we'll never, um, my life will never be the same, and I don't think hers will either. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, more of this story. There's some extraordinary stories, of course. The, the reasons why some of these parents went to prison. In some cases, the father kills the mother. In other cases, it's trafficking, and, and for example, banned animal hides. Uh, um, there's uh, domestic abuse, as there is in, in any area, but uh, this extraordinary woman, Pushpa Bosnet, who joins us today, uh, decided to make a difference, and uh, we'll uh, continue this story from this promise she made in her heart that I'll be back to, to get this child who's in prison uh, to the Early Childhood Development Center in Kathmandu, Nepal, and what's happened since. We're talking with Thomas Morgan, who... Uh, as an award-winning filmmaker, his uh, short documentary film, uh, Waiting for Mamu, details this story. And uh, Pushpa Bosnet, who uh, is founder and president of Early Childhood Development Center, also the uh, Butterfly Home, nonprofit organizations in Kathmandu, Nepal. Uh, we're talking about the children who, in some cases, are incarcerated with their parents in prison in Nepal. More following the break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the USU Extension 4-H and Youth Programs, assisting youth in acquiring knowledge, building character, and developing life skills in a learning environment. Information at utah4h.org. And by the City of St. George, celebrating the 35th Annual St. George Art Festival, April 18th and 19th, in the Town Square in Historic St. George, featuring entertainment, a children's art creation area, the Children's Museum, and St. George Carousel. Updates available on Facebook. Did you know that by repeatedly tasting fruits and vegetables, children can increase their liking of these foods? To accomplish this, parents should supply a fruit and a vegetable at lunch and dinner. Small incentives are a good way to promote initial and repeated tasting of these foods. As your child learns to enjoy fruits and vegetables, the incentives become unnecessary. Make it fun and you will make a difference in your child's food choices. Did You Know That is made possible by the USU Emma Eccles Jones College of Education and Human Services. More at cehs.usu.edu. 
Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Imagine at five years old, for example, you're sentenced to prison until you're 18. Uh, that's what happens, in effect, in some areas, including Nepal. If a parent's uh, sentenced to prison, then they lack a guardian for their child. The child is in prison with the parent. And so many of these children go to prison at a young age. They're released to the world at age 18 with no life skills or support system, knowing nothing of the world but what they experience in a jail cell. So what do you do? Well, if you're a young uh, Nepalese woman, uh, Pushpa Bosnet, who's encountered such a child in a woman's prison, part of her university studies, you uh, decide to do something. And that something turned out to be the Early Childhood Development Center in Kathmandu, Nepal. Pushpa Buzznet has also set up the Butterfly Home. We'll talk about that a little later as well. Nonprofit organizations in Kathmandu working to strengthen the rights of children living behind bars with their incarcerated parents. Thomas Morgan is an award-winning filmmaker. One of his films, Waiting for Mamu, that's what the children call Pushpa, is, uh, details this story. And uh, they will be keynote speakers at Southern Utah University's Women's Conference. That's happening on Thursday and Friday on the SUU campus in uh, Cedar City. So I want to start uh, with this segment with the Pushpa. So you're uh, uh, 21 years old, I think. You've had this extraordinary experience in the prison. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> and so you decide to do something. I imagine there are a lot of obstacles, though. What, uh, what did you do next? The main obstacle that I had to face was like, you know, because being grown up in Kathmandu with a good family and everything, I had to break down the circle of my own house, you know, because, you know, my, because my parents come from business background and my dad is kind of a very like, you know, very protective father, like he doesn't want us to do anything, you know. So I had to break down the circle that, you know, I wanted to do something that so that, you know, let me, let me do something. So my father was not totally happy what I was trying to do, but, you know, but I knew what I wanted to do. I believed in myself, you know, and my mom was always there for me. So I went back to the prison. I met the jailer who was the main officer, and I said that I want to, can I go inside the prison and help this child? You know, because at that year, what had happened was I was been suspended a year from my college because I was getting into troubles. I was, like, you know, bunking the classes and everything. So that was the correct time for me to do something also. So I went back to the prison. I said that, can I do start something? And he, the jailer said that it's nothing new to come inside the prison and start something. Why don't you take this children out from the prison, you know? And I thought, wow, he gave me a brilliant idea, you know? But what you say, it doesn't happen in the reality, you know, being a, such a young girl and like, you know, being a girl, you can't just easily start up an NGO non-profit organization. So, like, you know, I went back to my parents and I said that I want to set up a non-profit organization. And my father was like, no, Pushpa, you can't do this thing. But, you know, I believe what I was trying to do. So, like, so I asked the jailer, what should I do? He said that you need to register, go through all the government procedures everything, set up a small room for the children. The children is going to come out every day, you know. So I set up, I did everything. But it was really difficult for me to convince the mother to, like, to let them know that, you know, the children are going to come out from the prison in the daytime because, you know, I'm a new person for them. And the most important role that was played by was the jailer, you know. He said, because he had come and he came to our place, he saw the small kindergarten that we had set up, like, you know, 20 minutes drive from the prison. He was such a impressed with what we were trying to do. He went back to the prison and he said that your children are going to have a good education if you let the children go out from the prison. You know, so he played a very important role. So that's how we started and, you know, through our funding. 
So I had the initial time with my sisters, my family and friends. We call it $1,000. With $1,000, we started this non-profit organization. And where we had all our old toys and everything, we set up a very nice school, kindergarten school for these children. What was your original goal? How many children did you think you could help? Well, at the initial time, I think we started with the four children. You know, because I never thought that, you know, because I believe in quantity. Like, yes, you need to see the quantity, but the most important is you need to maintain the quality of the the service that you are giving to these children. So now we have 40 children living in the house, 40 children with us. You know, they come from a 24 prison all over the Nepal. But I can't say that, you know, I, I can rescue all the children because I'm not strongly funded or, like, you know, strongly resources we have. But sometimes I feel that, Whatever things you are giving to these children, you make sure that you give the best thing for them because, you know, they are very young and that's how you shape up these children. So uh, your goal at least became, um, I guess, the, the first thing would be to, to give these children a childhood, right? To, to, yes. They're, they're get them out of prison. Yes, yes. And, and, and educate them. And educate them and make them feel that they're very special, you know. It's not, it's not a crime that their parents have done a crime, you know. It's just that they have to feel that they're very special one, kids, you know. Now I, I make sure that my, my children feel that they're very special one. It doesn't matter if their parents are in prison until and unless you feel yourself that you are a special kid. Thomas Morgan, I wonder if you could tell me about uh, some of the children. You, I think as is your style, you let people tell the story in their own words. So you, you have these adorable children but they're telling some very hard-hitting stories it's uh, for example a, a young man called dev whose whose father killed his mother and of course the father's in in prison but you know where does where does dev go and, and happily he ended up with uh, with pushba Buznet. Uh, i wonder if any of these children stood out to you especially you know i think that, that each child had their own really heartbreaking story, some more impactful than others and more some more willing to talk about it and, and better able to articulate it than others. I think the amazing thing was about Dev's story in particular, where his father had killed his mother, chopped her up in little pieces in front of him and his younger sister, and, and he witnessed all of it, and then he and his, his small sister were on the floor of an all-men's prison. He, he wasn't willing to talk about it. He... Um, he just came in one night after we had had a meeting, a, a typical meeting of some of the team captains that uh, that Pushpa has, and he just started singing. And um, so Pushpa recounted his story, and what he was singing about was being going back to his mother and being reunited with his mother. And that, to me, was just an amazing, amazing way for him to uh, express himself. But all of these kids had had stories, but you very much felt like the story was their past. Hmm. It didn't define them anymore. It wasn't the thing that they were associated with. It was something that happened in the past. It was something that happened, you know, um, to their parents or happened with their parents or that they witnessed, but you got the sense that their true family was right there. It was all of the kids, you know, 45 kids, I think at the time, they were all right there. And so, uh, you very much got the sense that they were a family. There was no doubt. And for, frankly, for a lot of these kids, the struggles that they had had their whole lives, even when they were with their parents, it was a, I think, a welcome relief 
to be able to go to school, to not be working, to not be carrying, you know, 70 pounds of concrete at age 12 to help support your family, to not be, you know, at risk of being trafficked or even thinking, in the, you know, in those ways that your parents may traffic you because they're so desperately poor and willing, trying to feed the rest of their family. And so I think there was a sense of relief and the sense of just getting back to your childhood. And uh, and those who are willing to share their stories, we have several, but they were quite amazing and quite articulate. But again, you definitely got this sense that this was their home now mm. and that they had left that life from before, which was really a, 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 a true um, a credit to Pushpa's work. Uh, you know, they don't have... Like we would here, right? A child goes through that, and you say, "Oh, let's find a child psychologist. Let's find a this. Let's find a that." They don't have that. Mm. You know, those kids come and they confide in Pushpa, and they tell their stories to Pushpa, and she finds ways to help them cope and to help reacclimate them with the the new family that they're reunited with. And so, it's um it's an amazing credit to her to be able to really have this ability to understand children and understand what they truly need right then, without having uh, the resources that we have here. Let's hear another uh, clip from the uh, the documentary film. It's called Waiting for Mamu. Mamu is what the children call Pushpa. Uh, this talks about that sense of, of family. Prashna, his father is in prison in Pokhara for trafficking the skin of illegal animals. His father has to stay in a prison for 15 years. These children come from various backgrounds with various stories. But when they come out here in this house, you don't talk about your family, but it's like this family. We are a family. Pushpa, uh, we are family, you, you say. And Thomas Morgan was talking about that. And the film, the, the children look, they look happy. Uh, how do you, um, I guess, you you sit down and talk with the children? How do you, how do you get them to, uh, to to work through what, what they must be feeling? Uh, like, you, you, like I said, like, we are a family, you know, but at the initial time when the children come to our place, like Tom also have seen, like, you know, the driver and Prashna, you know, he comes to our place, like, you know, they would be, like, doing all the things, you know, which we don't follow, we do, which we don't say them what to do, what not to. After a certain time, they would see, like, everyone doing the same thing, you know, respecting each other and everything, you know. But I believe for these children, you know, I give them a time, you know, Whatever they can do, they can just be free, you know. But after a certain time, like, you know, I talk to them. Like, especially we do, like, storytelling. I do with my older ones, storytelling and art therapy. I do lots of art because I believe in art, and that's the way you can express yourself through art. So that's the thing also. But mostly for my older ones, I do talk to them. I need to tell them and I need to speak with them, you know. The other side of the thing, life is totally different, you know. So you have to have education. You, whatever option you get, it, you grab the option to get a good ut- utilize of your life, you know. So yes, I do talk to them. With the little ones, I can't. You know, so that's the reason also, like, I'm starting my world of education so that, you know, with aunt, I can, like, you know, play with my kids, you know, give them a kind of a therapy. So yes, I'm doing those kind of things. Mm. If you just joined us, we're talking about uh, extraordinary uh, efforts in Nepal. 
uh, by Pushba Bosnet, one of my guests uh, on the program today, uh, to help uh, children of incarcerated parents. In Nepal, uh, if you can't find a, if you're sentenced to, to prison, you can't find a guardian for your child, the, the child goes with you. And so, of course, this becomes a problem. Uh, children are released at age 18, uh, no life skills or support system. Pushbabaznet saw a problem, decided to do what she could, and uh, this turned into the Early Childhood Development Center in Kathmandu, which is uh, helping uh, hundreds of, uh, of children with education and uh, with just having a normal childhood. We're also talking with Thomas Morgan, who's an award-winning f- uh, filmmaker. One of his films is Waiting for Mamu, which uh, treats the subject. They are keynote speakers on Thursday and Friday. Well, the conference is Thursday and Friday. Southern Utah University Women's Conference in Cedar City. You're welcome to join the conversation at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Let's hear another clip from the uh, film. Uh, this is detailing some problems that Pushpa Bosnet had to uh, work through, and, and I guess maybe still has to work through, in, uh, in running her program as she's trying to help these uh, children. In Nepal, lots of crime are done by the women because they don't have educations, they don't have resources. Crime like trafficking, trafficking human beings to India, and even selling their own daughters and relatives' daughters, and dealing with the drugs. Soon Lakshmi's mom is going to come out from the prison, but Lakshmi, she doesn't want to go back to her family. So I'm happy to have her in, in ECDC, but we need to have their own house, you know, the children need to have their own house so that they feel like their future is secure. Right now we are staying in a rented place. Since I've opened ECDC from 2005, we've been shifting from one place to another more than five times. And I always worry about this. It was quite difficult that we had to leave certain houses because the neighbors or the house owner did not want us. They thought that we were just running a small organization for kindergarten. But later on, when she said, no, this is only for prison children, then they are like, okay, their parents are criminal and they would not turn out good. I think you should just leave kind of thing. That's a uh, clip from the uh, film Waiting for Mamu. <clears throat> Filmmaker is Thomas Morgan. And you heard uh, the voice there along with some other voices of uh, Pushpa Buznet. Thomas Morgan, th- those problems sound somewhat familiar to, I guess, just about any project, probably anywhere in the world. The not-in-my-backyard syndrome is going to be some obstacles there. Yeah, you know, I think um, I, th- I think it's that's the one the one thing I saw is obviously a correlation between this film and the film I did on homelessness in, in the United States is you see, you know, there's a stereotype, there's very much a, um, you know, people say that they want to help, but then suddenly when, you know, faced with, here's what we need to do, uh, as long as it's not near me, as long as it's not connected to my property, as long as it's not going to bring my property value down or whatever those stereotypes are that, that people typically have, that's the case. And so, you know, I think the one thing, the rest, this film is is, is Pushpa's story, but the real intent of the film and, and, and all the rest of the awards and, and all of the accolades are, are trivial. If we can't help Pushpa get a permanent house built uh, to secure the, 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 uh, the housing for these children. And so that's really been our effort is all through is to, is, you know, she won the CNN Hero of the Year. She was able to secure a piece of land. 
now all of our efforts in, are, are in um, helping her build that home for these children uh, to an international standard for the first time in Nepal. And so, um, you know, when you see that and you, and you think about moving yourself and your own family, and then you multiply that by 50 kids, uh, to move five times in seven years is just ridiculous. And so that's really our hope because, um, you know, they're, otherwise there may come a time where you can't find some place to go. And then what, what happens to these kids? Where do they go? You know, when you can't, they go back to the prison, do they go to the streets, you know, where do they go? So, um, that's really our goal. And, and, and even, um, all of the screenings that we have and all the Q and A's that we do, the, the real emphasis is on let's let's really be part of a solution and help get this house built. Well, that, this would be a good time to uh, to bring that up. I'm sure uh, people probably want to help. Uh, Pushpa, h- how can people best help you? I think uh, people can best help me is like uh, go to Utopia Foundations. Um, so they have a waiting for Mahmoud. They can go into online donations, and for the house, you know, be to finish all the house still we like to complete the project butterfly home project you know we still need five hundred thousand dollars to finish everything so people want to donate like you know people want to buy the building for their names or the anyone so yeah they're always welcome to do you know because i feel that you know this is like a butterfly for me like you know to, to now like they are like caterpillar tomorrow like you know with all the contribution that we get from people and everything tomorrow like definitely will be a butterfly so that's what i believe so, uh, uh, yes, go ahead. I'm sorry, they go to com. There's a great big red donate button, and that goes directly to the Utopia Foundation. It's a tax-deductible um, um, gift, and, and it, 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 it's easy to find. And so uh, sometimes Utopia can be a little bit cumbersome. But okay. and, and then also, just to mention, it's about $1,500 to pay for everything for a child for a year. So if you think of it in terms of supporting a child for a year, that's a great number to use as your gauge. And so um, whatever you can do to help is amazing, but but uh, that's just for more for reference than anything else. But if you go to waitingformamu.com, there's a big red donate, and all of that money goes to Pushpa's organization. All right, waitingformamu.com. Just before we go to another break, uh, Pushpa, in that last uh, clip, we heard about a, a, a girl, I think her name was Lashmi, Yes. And so this illustrates uh, another problem or another uh, you know, challenge, which is her, I think her parents, her mother was released from prison, but she did not want to go back. W- what do you, what do you do in that case? Like, um, uh, Lashmi mom, you know, recently, just two months back, she got released from the prison and she came back to me and she said, like, you know, Lashmi came and said that she doesn't want to go back to her family because she feels that, you know, her mom can't fulfill her education, the priority of her life. So, like, you know, because Lashmi this year, she finished her class 10 exam and she appeared in one of the biggest exams to go for her higher education, you know. And she simply said that I don't want to go back to my family where I could, my parents can't fulfill, a mom can't fulfill her dreams. In that case, I think that I should take the responsibility to look after her, you know, because I can't just let them go in the middle of the road, you know, and say that, okay, you know, now your mom is out from the prison, you need to leave. So now she's staying with me, with me, and she's helping with, like, you know, with our staff and everything. And I feel that, yes, it's a, like, it's a, it's a responsibility for me, but I think I'll take part of me, of my work, you know, because 
because they are very attached to me and I yes some way I'm professional but some way I'm a personal person to attach with these kids but I'm happy to have them and you know fulfill their dreams. My guests on the program today are uh, Pushpa Basnet who has uh, founded an organization in Kathmandu, Nepal to help children of incarcerated parents in Nepal if you can't find a guardian for your for your child and you're sentenced to prison, the, the child, child goes right along with you. That, of course, uh, presents a whole host of problems which Pushpa Basna is trying to uh, solve. Thomas Morgan is an award-winning filmmaker based in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, among his films, Waiting for Mamu, which tells this story. They're both keynote speakers at Southern Utah University's Women's Conference, which is happening in Cedar City on uh, the 10th and 11th. More following the break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Utah Humanities Council, empowering Utahns to improve their communities through active engagement in the humanities, online at utahhumanities.org. It's Lynn Rosetto-Casper. This week we look at real ramen, a dish that when properly made is composed of nine intricate ingredients and assembled just for you before your very eyes. A far cry from the spice packet in that plastic cup. Join us, that's this week, on The Splendid Table from 8 p.m. Tuesday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. Another segment of the program left. You're welcome to join us. We're talking about... uh, incarcerated children in Nepal. In some places, there's uh, no governmental safety net structure in place. And uh, so if you're, uh, as a parent, sentenced to prison, uh, then your child goes along with you. And of course, the child uh, is, is essentially incarcerated, um, though hasn't uh, not, not having committed a crime. And uh, so when they are released at age 18, they don't have an education, they don't have a support system. It's a whole host of problems. On a a visit to uh, a women's prison uh, in uh, Nepal, Pushpa Basnet, a young university student, had an extraordinary experience. A young girl reached out and and, uh, grabbed her and uh, touched her heart. She decided to do something about this, and that's ended up being a nonprofit organization. It's called the Early Childhood Development Center in Kathmandu, Nepal, and she's helping many children to get an education, have a normal childhood, and have that support system. So she joins us, and Thomas Morgan is an award-winning filmmaker. Among his films, Waiting for Mamu, which details this story. Mamu is what the children call uh, Pushpa. So Pushpa Bosnet, I wonder about that, that little girl, eight months old. Is she still with you at the center? What happened to yes. her? Yes, she's still with me now. She's nine years old, and her mom got released last three years back. Now she stays with me. She works as a staff with me in the ECDC. And what, give me an example of, uh, imagine some of these children uh, do go home, some children, what, go go on, what, what do they go on to do? Uh, like some of the children, like almost like 110, 20 children have already gone back to their family, you know. But um, but like whenever they have holiday, you know, they go back to their pa- parents in the prison, and they, the little ones they stay inside the prison, and the older ones they just go for the daytime visit to the prison and see their family, and they do come back. But the problem now, what we are facing is like you know, the parents they come out from the prison, the father or the mother, you know, they just like 
they don't want their kids, you know, they just leave them and they just run away. So we have like almost 13, 14 kids, you know, whose parents have come out from the prison like three years, four years back and they have never come back to take these children. So like, you know, so now we are facing those kind of problems. But somewhere I feel happy, you know, at least they are in a safe hand, you know, because I feel happy about it. But somewhere they... It's so sad, you know, their parents don't come back and, like, you know, they don't try to receive them or they don't try to keep, keep contact. So now we are trying to negotiate with the government, trying to work with the government, you know, so that tomorrow, like, you know, if the children are referred from government, you know, at least if their parents leave the children with me, at least I can work for the citizenship or the passport, any legal aspect for the future. Mm. Let's hear another uh, clip, final clip from the uh, movie, uh, the film Waiting for Mamu. Uh, this details some some problems that uh, that go on. I would definitely like to have Hosina back to me, but I need to see the safety of Hosina's mom's life also, because some way Hosina's mom might feel safety having a daughter with her. Because having your children with you, your husband won't do anything. Two years back, Hosina's father was trying to kill Hosina's mom. He beat it out in such a bad you would not imagine. You know, tied into rope and everything. And Hasina and Hasina brother went to the police station and reported the police and they saved their mother. I feel that Hasina's father will abuse Hasina. I can feel that. So that's a, that's an extraordinary story, uh, uh, Pushpa. Uh, the, the, the children essentially saved the mother. So what happens, like, you know, after they, like, they stay, they go back to the normal life with their parents, you know. Sometimes it doesn't work out with their father or the mother, you know, and they see the reality and where they are, like, you know, the children save their parents, like, you know, the mother, you know. But in case of Hasina, like, you know, Hasina's mom, like, she's still now, she's facing lots of problems, you know. Husband doesn't do anything and she has to look after three kids, you know. So, but we still, we do, like, support her in her educations and all kind of things. Hmm. Uh, now, Pushpa, you, you have another organization which I think tries to help uh, homeless families. This is the Butterfly? No, it's... Yeah. Uh, yes, go ahead. No, the Butterfly Home is actually in the home for the children, you know, where we okay. try to rescue okay. the children. Um. So, uh, so that's another part of this same project. Okay, uh, I think I, I was I was reading somewhere there, and maybe maybe you're not working with with this, but uh, maybe Thomas Morgan could talk about this. There there are problems with, as there are in most places, uh, homeless families in in Nepal. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's um, it's quite different than homelessness here. There is a. Uh, you know, kids are often not able to go to school because they're working to support families, or kids um, leave their families to go and work somewhere else in hopes to make enough money to help support their family. It's um, in a lot of cases, it's quite desperate. And so, you know, when you're a 14-year-old or a 13-year-old child, and and you think I'm a burden on my parents, or you know, something along those lines, I think that it's 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 completely different than. Um, than it is in the U.S. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of these crimes were committed by people who were in similar situations, and, and really they were doing something just to try and survive. Um, they weren't doing it, you know, uh, to, to create uh, huge wealth or anything like that. 
and um, and the children become the victims as well. And so, um, you know, it's just it's completely different. The culture is completely different. In the butterfly home, what it ensures is stability for the kids longer term, and then hopefully it will also enable parents who are coming out of prisons to come there to to figure out what their lives look like from that point forward and how do we acclimate in a way that is healthy for our kids and then take our kids back with us to to our village so um, I think it's it's quite an amazing undertaking and, and push but I mean it's become really an outlet for the government now who doesn't have the resources to do this to say hey can you help us you know whereas before they didn't think that she was able to to um, raise these kids and she was so young and you know where's the where's the founder of your organization she's which she would say well i am the founder and they would be like oh you're so young and so you know now it's completely changed so it's uh it's just an incredible story on so many levels uh it's it was it was and you know honestly for myself when i look at the situation i look at what push has been able to achieve and all that she's done with all of these kids um you really see a bond between her and children that, honestly, I'm not sure most parents in the U.S. have with their kids. They've been through so much, and what was really heartbreaking for me is to see these kids who have this mother, who's raised them in some cases six, eight, ten years, and then to see them leave, um, you know, to have that child kind of taken away from you to go back to their village. It was just... um, it was it was heartbreaking. So you know, it's just it, it's such a great a great story on so many levels. Well, it's an extraordinary story. I agree. Uh, Pushpa Bosnet, uh, thank you for all you're doing. Congratulations and uh, and appreciate you being on the program. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, Thomas um, Morgan, uh, tell us again how people can help. Yeah, if you go to waitingformamu.com. Waiting for MAMU is MAMU. Waiting for MAMU.com. There's a big donate button. 100% of the proceeds go to Pushpa's organization. It's tax deductible through Utopia Foundation. And uh, really, anything that you can do to help is, is fantastic. Thomas Morgan, uh, filmmaker, uh, thanks for being on the program as well. Very good. Thank you. Pushpa Bosnet and Thomas Morgan are keynote speakers at the Southern Utah University Women's Conference. Uh, That is on Thursday and Friday in Cedar City. For uh, producers uh, Katie Swain and Bennett Purser, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks so much for listening today. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan, open Monday through Saturday until 3, offering lunch items including veggie burgers with a lemon-garlic aioli or lentil salad with tarragon vinaigrette. Commentator Richard Ratliff. I read a report recently in The Economist entitled What's Gone Wrong with Democracy? The report outlined problems throughout the world in countries with democratic governments, long established democracies as well as newly formed ones. The United States is mired in political gridlock. New democracies in the Middle East are hopelessly mired in disorder, violence, and chaos resulting from corruption and autocracy. The democracies of Venezuela, Ukraine, and Argentina hardly fit the description. 
political party membership has declined significantly in much of Western Europe. A recent poll of British voters found that 62% of those polled had no trust in government whatsoever. Voter turnout is abysmal in the U.S. and other established democracies. Too many of us seem neither interested nor informed enough to bother voting at all. Too often the result is the election of candidates representing a minority cluster of voters with extreme narrow positions. Those positions tend to benefit the few at the expense of the many. In many cases, institutional pillars of political society are at risk, and in some cases are dismantled altogether. The article in The Economist introduced me to a new word identifying an old political disease, majoritarianism. Majoritarianism, the report says, is the idea that winning an election entitles those elected to do whatever they please as a mandate of the people, even at the expense of the people themselves or at the expense of critical democratic institutions. In fact, once in power, newly elected governments often seem little interested in democracy at all, but more in the power assumed from their new political authority. This is not a pretty picture. But I'm convinced the problem is not democracy. Corruption and abuse threaten any system of government. The problem is the governing values, motivations, and institutions underlying government, any government. Successful human society is grounded in mutual trust and respect. Corruption and authoritarianism grow neither trust nor respect, but rather fear and abuse. The preamble to the United States Constitution lists six purposes of government national unity, justice, domestic tranquility, the common defense, the general welfare of people and society, and liberty for the current and future generations. I have concluded from my study that the main purpose of government is to assure an environment where healthy relationships can thrive and where unhealthy relationships can be resolved peacefully for the greatest benefit and least harm to everyone involved, achieving all the purposes outlined in the U.S. Constitution. Good government establishes the ground where relationships can grow and prosper. A great virtue of democracy is the opportunity for all voices in society to be given a fair hearing. Plant any government in stony ground and it will suffer. Stony ground for government is corrupt, immoral, and selfish. The result? Lousy, harmful relationships at a great cost to everyone involved directly and indirectly. Don't blame democracy for problems in the world. Look at the ground where it is planted, the attitudes, motivations, and values of the people and leaders involved. No other form of government offers a better chance for a successful society, happy, prosperous, resilient. No other form of government of which we know gives every person more opportunity to be heard and considered, a better opportunity to act and change course when necessary. Don't blame democracy. Consider the relationships. This is Richard Ratliff. Thanks for listening. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan.